1: And hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. How many of you in your life right now struggle with setting the right kinds of boundaries with your friends, family, or even your partner? Well, my guest today is none other than one of the best therapists uh, I've been able to have the privilege of speaking to, Nedra Tawab. Now, for those of you that don't know who she is, she's a New York Times bestselling author, licensed therapist, and sought-after relationship expert. She has practiced relationship therapy for 14 years and is the founder and owner of the group therapy practice Kaleidoscope Counseling. I had to practice that word a couple of times. Every day she helps people create healthy relationships by teaching them how to implement boundaries. Her philosophy is that a lack of boundaries and assertiveness underlie most relationship issues. And her gift is helping people create healthy relationships with themselves and others. So, how many of you are listening right now? Want to just dive into the episode? Because yeah, I know <laughs> it's great subjects uh, to get into, and we do get into all that in this conversation. Nedra earned her undergraduate and graduate degrees from Wayne State University in Detroit. She has uh, as an additional certifications in working with families and couples in parental mood and anxiety disorders as well. Plus, advancing training for counseling adults who've experienced childhood neglect, emotional neglect, sorry. She's been featured in the New York Times, The Guardian, Self and Vice, and she's been on a number of podcasts. I heard her on uh, Lewis Howe's School of Greatness uh, and the Skinny Confidential as well. She's got a pretty pretty big, uh, I guess you could say, uh, following on social media. She has a new book out, which I have no doubt is going to help many, many of you. It's called "Set Boundaries and Find Peace," or "Set Boundaries, Find Peace." is the is the phrase. My bad. Uh, simple yet powerful ways to establish healthy boundaries in every in all aspects of of your life. Um, I highly encourage you to go and get a copy of this book if you do enjoy this conversation. But just go and get. A copy, nonetheless, and have it with you. I think boundaries are something that we all need to be uh, better at in my in in life. And I think you you'll hear Nedra therapizing me in this conversation, which was quite funny. uh, That I actually liked because it was challenging me. So, my friends, if you do get something from this one, please share it around to your friends and family. Let everyone know about this one. Also, help to support. Uh, Nedra's work and her message by uh, sharing and tagging, buy her book, do all those things. I know, I no doubt she'd be very appreciative of that. But all the links for everything uh, are all in the show notes below. Watch the video on YouTube. Uh, don't forget to leave a rating and review before you go. But my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to set boundaries and find peace at the same time as we dive into the story box today because we're going to listen to the expert therapist herself, is not only me, but I'm sure you guys, uh, and the story of none other than Nedra Tawab.
0: Thank you. That was such a warm welcome. I wish I could like record that and just play it for myself daily. Maybe I will.
1: <laughs> you don't want my voice on on the daily I, repeat, trust yeah, me. Yeah, it was good. It was
0: good. <laughs>
1: but um, it's so good to have you here. I've really been looking forward to this conversation with you. Relationships, we all have them in our life. It is a big Subject of conversation for a lot of people, we do struggle with them. We have massive questions around how can we have healthier relationships in our life today, whether or not it's with a partner, friends, family, you name it, the whole bit. Uh, But before we dive into all that, I have one particular question I love asking all my guests at the very start, which is what does success look like for you?
0: Hmm. Success is consistency and peace. You know, I think having the freedom to be unworried about things, to feel free is success. And that's what I'm constantly trying to move towards. And I feel like, you know, some days I'm there, some days I'm not. Today is a good day. Hmm.
1: Have you ever struggled a lot, I should say, in your life with finding peace? Because you mentioned there it's a daily thing. So I'm always curious, like, how can we find peace in our life every single day as opposed to yesterday, so to speak? There was might have been a bad day.
0: You know, I think waking up and doing things a little differently. You know, when things don't work out, sometimes we have a tendency to keep doing it Mm -hmm. instead of figuring out ways to shift our perspective, shift something in the day to make things a bit easier for ourselves. So right now I'm practicing, you know, what could make this process easier? What sort of supports do I need? um, What can I be doing differently? And that certainly makes the day more peaceful because I'm not repeating the same mistakes from yesterday.
1: Mm. Has it been something that has shifted your perspective recently?
0: Oh, my gosh. So the morning routine with my kids, it was terrible. (laughs) And just recently, it was, it was, I'm admitting. It's like it was loud, it was confusing. And recently, I've really leaned on technology to set like this soothing song to wake them up. Then I set like a little timer for them to get dressed a timer for them to brush their teeth, then we do a little meditation, and we're out of the house, Mm. Um, and it's just been an easier process, and that has been after at least a year of, get your shoes, you know, just pandemonium, and I was trying to tweak stuff, and I couldn't figure out the right sort of thing, but this seems to be working a lot better, because we do want to leave the house with ease, and not like, Uh, We're all upset and frustrated. So, you know, just, just learning to implement things, you know, in a new way, when when stuff isn't working out and the old way was not working.
1: Mm. What were some of the things that uh, I guess surprised you when you first became a mother, as opposed to now? Well, you know,
0: when I first became a mother, I was very, very, I I remember the first week with my daughter, we didn't sleep. Like we held her all day. My oldest daughter, we didn't know what to do with her. Like we thought we had to hold her. And then I don't know if we told someone about this and they were like, you know, you can put her down. Like like we were taking shifts, just holding her like while she slept, while she, let's just sit here and hold her. Mm and now i know that you know kids need autonomy too mm-hmm. and that autonomy uh, is something that helps them to be better people they're constantly fighting to have their independence that's why we get so many no's from kids because mm-hmm. they're trying to gain like this power and freedom over themselves and the more we can honor that for them the, the happy they'll be it's like well you know, I meant, yeah, sure, dress yourself. Do I really care about you know things matching? You know, go ahead, put your shoes on. It will take longer. So you know, it's it's things that you know we have to learn to be patient around as they are learning to do things on their own. So at first, I was like, no, I have to I have to hold you. I don't know what to do with you. And now I'm like, okay, I think you can figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of times they do, and when they don't, I encourage them to ask for help. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the autonomy factor is is an important uh, lesson that we all need to learn. Um, each and every one of us, we sort of, we, we need our alone time to unwind and refresh. I, I know that I need it. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I'm fascinated by for you, Nedra, is what have your kids taught you about having healthy relationships?
0: Mm. Yeah, I would say I was... Pretty decent with boundaries, but when I had kids, it, the time that you have for things is reduced. And the time that I have for unhealthy relationships became extinct. I was just like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for the drama, the chaos, the, you know, a lot of these things because I don't have a lot of time to myself. And the, the time that I have to myself, I wanted to be in peace and quiet. I wanted to be relaxing, restorative, leisure. I don't want to be arguing with people or, you know, feeding into their drama and those sorts of things. So it really helped me with time management, which was, you know, in some cases, relationship management. And it's not that I completely cut people off, but I certainly would do some frequency in some cases. And I'm still doing that when I notice that, oh, wow, this situation is, you know, something beyond what I can put energy towards at this time. Mm.
1: So is it truly possible when we say the word healthy and we put it in front of relationship, automatically <laughs> my mind goes, yeah, no, that's not possible. <laughs> but. I'm I'm curious, is that actually possible? Like, what do we need to do in order to achieve a healthy relationship?
0: So there's a difference between healthy and perfect. Healthy relationships are possible. It's like, you can be in good health and eat pizza, right? It doesn't mean, oh my gosh, now you're in bad health. It's like, no, you you can still do things and it not be perfect. And it's still something that's healthy. And so I think of relationships like, you know, we can argue with people and it be a healthy relationship. That doesn't mean it's unhealthy. I think arguing, finding a solution and resolving, that is healthy. Mm. So it doesn't mean the relationship needs to be argument free or there is no problems or you agree on everything. That's just not realistic. We are different from people. We all have different needs and therefore we do argue sometimes. We do disagree that's normal, but I think in terms of being able to come back together, being able to reconcile, those are very healthy things in a relationship. I can't think of anyone who I one hundred percent agree with, but I certainly will say hmm, that's an inter- interesting perspective. I can, you know, respect their opinion.
1: Mm. I've heard of some stories of people that haven't argued they haven't fought in their relationship and their marriage or their overall yeah relationship with each other is absolutely outstanding so mm-hmm. is it i guess what what i'm trying to ask here is is having like is it inevitable really to argue to fight back within relationships or can you have i guess is it is it uh um, unique to have people that don't argue, that don't fight and still have a healthy relationship or is arguing actually healthy?
0: I think it could be both ways. And I also wonder how we're defining arguing. I think people can disagree without arguing and that can be healthy because even those couples who say we don't fight, they probably still disagree. And I think when we think of arguing, it is yelling. It's someone storming out of the house. is not talking for, you know, hours on end. And yeah, lots of people don't experience that. So they would say, well, we don't argue if that's our definition. But a disagreement, you know, could potentially be an argument depending on how you're defining. it. So I would say that, you know, even those couples who aren't having heated disagreements have some disagreements.
1: Mm. Have you had like an argument in your life that you thought that you could never, it wasn't possible to actually recover from.
0: Um, I wouldn't say an argument because it would have to be a back and forth. I think some situations have happened in relationships where I'm no longer in those situations where, um, certain things, um, can't be forgiven, or I choose not to, well, I I wouldn't say forgiven. They can be forgiven, but I choose not to continue in the relationship. Mm. Um, for me, um, trust is a really big thing. I think for a lot of people, but it's, you know, it's one of my highest values. And if I can't trust people, I don't even know what a relationship could look like.
1: Mm. Which is another because- big, big topic in of itself. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't don't know what I can do anymore if I can't trust you. And so, because that's such a big thing, I have, you know, some relationships where trust was violated. Maybe I said, okay, I'll try again. And, you know, they did it again. I said, oh, you're an untrustworthy person. This wasn't a mistake. Mm. That's what this is. This is a pattern of behavior. And I am tolerating it now. Got it. Mm. So, you know, in those situations, I think that you know, we make a hard choice or we decide to, you know, stay in a relationship and hope the person will change.
1: Mm. I could go into the topic of trust and building trust in relationship, mm-hmm. but I want to get to boundaries in just a moment. But what I'm curious about is I want to sort of backtrack a little bit and ask you what sort of interested you in becoming a therapist in the first place? What was the, the catalyst for you?
0: Um, I've always been the sort of person who love to listen to people talk and I like to talk as well. Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, I would hurry to finish my work and because I just wanted to talk. I'm like, okay, I'm done. i it finished. All right. What were you saying? I just wanted to be in conversation in high school. I remember we would skip class and we would just go sit and talk, me and my friends. I really enjoy deep dialogue. And I like connecting with people um, around, you know, certain things in their life. I like to be that person where people are like, I've never said this before. I'm like, I know, I have good questions, right? You know, like, I enjoy that. I enjoy getting people to open up, getting people to um, look at things a little bit differently, because I truly believe that talking is healing. I think for many years when I didn't have therapy, being able to talk through things with people was therapeutic until I was able to get to therapy. Now I didn't know that being a therapist was a career. Um, I didn't know any therapists. I think Frazier was on, but you know, <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't know any in, in real life. I remember Fraser at some point in life. And every therapist you saw on TV, it didn't seem like a, you know, a thing to do. But I went to college. And um I thought I wanted to like be a professor, if you can believe it. I was like, I'm gonna go get a PhD and be a sociologist and all of this stuff. And I am um, happened upon grad school for social work and initially I thought I wanna do like policy and I got this internship doing like this grant writing stuff and I absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. I did not like it because I wasn't able to talk to people. It was so much like business building I'm like what is this (laughs) and I actually left that internship I was like can I get an internship where I'm like talking to people and I got another internship and from there I was like this is what I'm supposed to be doing I am supposed to be listening and talking the first time I had a client I was like this is magic like It was like finding the thing you're supposed to do. Because before then, it was like, well, I know I like to talk. Who's going to pay you for that? I know I love to listen, but who's going to pay you for that? I've always gotten in trouble for it, right? Mm -hmm. But now it's like, wow, like people want to hear me? What an honor to be able to, you know, do something that you naturally love. So, you know, every day I show up and, you know, it feels like I'm just in class again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just sneaking away and
1: talking. were you nervous like when you first got your client
0: oh gosh yes I used to have dreams and in the dreams it would like be a therapy session I, I was just like nervous about like what to say what do I'll say next time like what if I say the wrong thing because it's such a precious space to be in with people for them to really rely on you for answers and you know, I've been doing this for 14 years and people say the first four, I was like, let me look at a book and make sure I'm doing this correctly. Of <laughs> course, I have like supervision and all of that stuff, but it was like, I don't know what to say. And you know, I, you know, I think of being a therapist as like improv because we don't know what's going to happen next, but we do have to have like this sort of response or, you know, like, you know, that's normal. It, you know, it makes sense that you feel that way. We have to have this level of response that's just like immediate and in the moment. And we can't rehearse, we can't practice. It's just like, whatever you come up with. Mm.
1: So speaking about your first time uh, with, with the client and sort of being nervous and I guess this, this is a question I wanted to steer away from trust, but it's sort of bringing me back. <laughs> um, okay. it, it, I'm curious about your, your first moment of building trust so that that person could be vulnerable enough to open up because I feel like in order to be vulnerable, we've we got to somehow trust another person wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. So in your experience, how were you able to do that?
0: People want to talk, even quiet people. I think there's an assumption that quiet people don't like to talk. And I'm like, can you tell my quiet friends that? Because they don't stop talking. (laughs) Um, So people like to talk. What stops people from talking is how the people around them listen, Mm -hmm. um, the feedback they receive, the judgment they perceive from others. And so when you take some of those things out of the room, when you say things to a therapist and my face is straight, when you say these things that people are just like, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, say more. It's like, what? (laughs) What did you say? And so you build trust by allowing people to share their story and not being judgmental about what they're saying. You build trust about, you know, around letting them just talk. Sometimes, you know, I'm looking at your background and just sometimes just talking about things like, oh, favorite movie? Why do you identify with that character? When did you, you know, how many times do you think? Those sort of things make people talk about themselves and they don't even realize it because if you identify with this character, that character has something to do with you. And so now I'm figuring out like, oh, okay, so you have this adventurous side. And people can freely talk when we find topics that they can really dig into. I've had clients where, you know, it's taken, you know, weeks to get them to talk about the stuff that they came to therapy for, but they certainly can talk about, you know, the housewives or, you know, like all of these reality shows, but they're, what they're doing is like gauging how I respond, gauging my personality. They're trying to see, can I trust her? Can I say this stuff? And so you let it go and you, you know, you allow people to talk about those things that make them feel really comfortable. And eventually they are talking about the
1: deep and heavy stuff. Sometimes I struggle to be quiet on my own show because I, I have so many stories and I'm like catching myself. Okay. I want to talk here but I'm like, no, my job, ask a question, get the other person to talk. <laughs> so yeah,
0: That's the cool thing about Instagram and a big part of why I started it, because as a therapist, I'm listening. Mm. I don't get to talk a lot. Sometimes my clients are like, do you have anything to say? I'm like, um, yes, here's the thing. And so doing, you know, the podcast, writing a book, creating content, that is my time to talk. But in the therapy space, the time really is to listen, maybe to have some back and forth answer, but it's really for you to share your story. And any story I share is to help you connect more with your story.
1: Mm. Do you have a list of questions that you sort of run through with each person, like
0: in the moment? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, I have some in my head. I have some in my head that are just like general questions that I'll, you know, ask people like our first visit or so, but. No, I don't. I don't have any general questions because people are so different, and they'll take you different places. Mm.
1: Do you have a favorite question you love asking all your clients? Not what's wrong with I, you.
0: No, no, not, not not what's wrong with you. But I do like to ask them about trauma, and I give them some examples. You know, have you ever been in a car accident? Has someone ever died abruptly that you were close to? Have you ever witnessed something that you couldn't stop thinking about? Because sometimes. People have trauma and they can only think of sexual abuse, homelessness, and physical, you know, like these very extreme things. And we can be, you know, really going through things just based off of a teacher that we were really close to dying abruptly in the middle of the school year. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's so many things that we can be having a response to. So I do like to ask people have they ever experienced trauma and then give them some examples.
1: I love that answer because trauma is something that I like speaking about as well, having experienced quite a bit of trauma in my life. And then I love having the conversation around it. I think it needs to be had a lot more, uh, I want, but I want to steer it towards you. Have you actually experienced trauma in your own life?
0: Oh yes, for sure. Um, and I think that that helps you to help people. Because a lot of what I get is like, you know, how did you know that? And so it's like, well, you know, I have a life too. I'm a person, I've experienced things. And if I haven't, you know, maybe someone around me has because, you know, all trauma is not my trauma. Sometimes it does come from other people. But I think, you know, being able to tap into how I have felt about things is certainly helpful to other people. I think of when, we're going through stuff and some of the worst things that we hear from other it'll be okay. It's all right. I remember I was in this car accident one time and um, as you can see I wear glasses and my glasses flew off in this accident. Someone hit my car totaled it. My friend and her boyfriend were in the car and when I got out the car I couldn't see and I kept saying where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? And someone gave me my glasses and I just was like, oh my gosh, my car is totaled. I was freaking out. Everyone was like, it's okay, you're not hurt. Like, like, but I'm freaking out about something else. I understand my jaw is not broken, but this is like really bad because now I don't have a car. (laughs) Can I I please have whatever I want to freak out about in this moment, people? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, you know, that taught me like, When we're going through something traumatic, sometimes the people around you don't know what to say. And they're just, you know, they're just pulling at straws. It's okay. You'll be okay. At least this. And, and, you know, it's like, yo, just let me be upset. (laughs) Mm. I just need to vent. I just need to be upset about these things. This is not the moment to make me feel better because it literally just happened. Mm.
1: You needed to have your moment. And I think I and I think understanding that for people that do go through trauma don't sometimes it's better to listen than to say anything like just sit there and just be quiet allow mm-hmm. them to just be in that present moment and feel mm-hmm. and that, that can also help them heal and, yeah um, I think that's a that's a powerful illustration like that you just pointed to because it kind of we have to set that boundary for ourselves. I believe, mm-hmm. to not want to help. I mean, like each and every one of us, like for me personally, I want to help someone that is in pain. I can't help it. <laughs> but I think sometimes we do have to set that boundary in order to stop our ourselves in that present moment. I mean, maybe later on we can help but in that moment, not right now. Is that, is that accurate?
0: Yeah. And I often wonder is what we're doing actually helpful? Because sometimes we aren't being helpful. We're just doing something.
1: Mm. Good question.
0: Yeah. And I think we get in this mode of like doing things that's not actually helpful. That's not what the person needs. You know, when, when people are in my office and they're crying, you know, I don't try to stop them. I want you to cry. They try to stop themselves. Sometimes, oh my gosh, I'm crying too much. You're not crying too much. You're crying as much as you need to. I just reassure them, keep feeling, keep feeling. Because we don't cry for, you know, just anything. It seems like this is something really big and you're impacted by it. Let it help. Mm. Because you do need to just be able to feel. You do need to just be able to you know, have whatever reaction. We feel so guilty about things. I remember um, when I was in college, I met a friend. And soon after we met, her father died. And, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so saying all this stuff. And she said, hey, me and my father didn't have a good relationship. I'm upset that he died, but, you know, it's complicated. And I said, oh, okay. Okay, got
1: wow so can we speak a little bit more about setting boundaries like in our life um and the best ways to go about setting them because i i for me in particular Mm -hmm. i don't find them easy to actually set
0: Mm. Yeah, so I think what would be a wonderful exercise is for you to think about the boundaries that you already have and what makes you e- what makes it easy for you to have those boundaries. Because you already have some boundaries. I don't know what they are, but you have some. And I wonder why are those things easier to implement than the ones that you're avoiding or the ones you're not setting. And two, we really have to believe that we are worthy of boundaries and that we're not gonna get in trouble Um, There's no one who's going to get us, but there could be someone who has a reaction that, you know, maybe makes us uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that you're doing a bad thing. People don't have to like every single thing that you do. It's okay. You won't always be liked. You'll live. um, And you will live with your boundaries intact. The moment that we get outside of our heads that people have to be happy with the boundary, we can start to set them. The biggest thing that gets in the way is what will they think? What will they do? How will they feel? What's going to happen next? All of these what ifs, assumptions. And sometimes we just need to say the thing. Mm. We just need to say it. And there is no easy way to say no. Mm. You know, maybe you can say, oh, no, not today. No, thank you. But you're still saying no.
1: Mm. I think it's it's hard to... For me in particular, I know I need to set the boundary in Mm. this particular area of my life, but I don't want to because I'm afraid of what, you know, like you just said, the what ifs, what if this happens? And it's kind of like I don't have control in that moment and that control brings about fear, worry, anxiety, so to speak. Mm. So then I go away from actually setting the boundary, but I like how you have in the in the book if you set a boundary you're able to find peace and you're sort of alluding to it before that when you do set it you don't start thinking about necessarily all the what-ifs and that is the the comfort the peace is that accurate as well
0: yes i am um, a few months ago I've been really, you know, you know how you do something and you feel uncomfortable doing it, but you want to really avoid setting a boundary. So I did that. And then a few months ago, it came back around. And I was like, OK, I can't do this again to myself. <laughs> and so I had to set the boundary. And after I set the boundary, it was my stomach dropped. Like I was immediately like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said that. And then I felt a wave of peace. Like, I'm so happy they know now. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy they know because I've been in such turmoil because it was it was just something I didn't want and so just letting it out there was this like mm-hmm. it was it was it was heavy But it felt really good getting it out and clearing the air. And I will say, you know, a few months later, here I am. And I feel much better about, you know, being upfront about that. And some boundaries are really hard. Some boundaries will end relationships. Some boundaries will just change them in ways that you never knew were possible. I've certainly set those boundaries where you're like, oh, I don't know how to respond. And then the person says, oh, okay. That's it? That's Oh. Okay.
1: Mm. is it possible to have healthy relationships without boundaries
0: no no like i I would say no like what are you doing in the relationship like someone has an expectation of something Mm. so the expectation is a boundary you know i have an expectation that you'll treat me well and if you're both treating each other well then you have some boundaries
1: Mm. what if there is absolutely no expectation whatsoever for this person to show up in the relationship. Like there is complete uh, autonomy, so to speak, with each Mm -hmm. and every person there is this, I know who I am and I don't need to set boundaries with you at all. Mm -hmm. What, what would we say getting around that?
0: (laughs) I would say that's a beautiful thing. And I would love to hear more about that. I think in the typical relationship, that is not the case, but I do think that's possible because I believe anything is possible. And so I do think that there are some individuals who could master that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think typically what we see is a lot of unmet needs, unspoken needs, um, expectations in relationships. Um, But, you know, it's possible to allow people to exist and you exist and you come together at some point.
1: I would love to experience that kind of relationship for myself. <laughs> ah. like I was sort of asking you because I want to know that it is possible, so to speak. Like I guess it, it's an individual going on their own journey to get to that place um, and finding their own sense of worth, their own sense of peace mm-hmm. and not necessarily bringing all their, their wounds into the relationship to, to basically dump them onto the other person because, mm-hmm. I mean, like I've, I've done that in my past relationship, so that hasn't been healthy and it's caused problems. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of jealousy comes up, which is something that I'm still working on. I'll be honest, I'm still working on it today. And I've always mm-hmm. been curious about uncovering the root cause of, Jealousy. Is it because I haven't set a boundary in my own life to stop myself from being jealous, or can we can we therapize me for a moment?
0: <laughs> you know, when you talked about that jealousy, it really made me think of attachment—the attachments we have to other people. Um, and I think sometimes jealousy can stem from some sort of anxious attachment. We're worried about what this person. Um, will do with us, what they're doing outside of our present, what they'll do with other people, all of these things. That is certainly um, a way that we can be anxiously attached. It comes across as jealousy. I think that's very common for us to, you know, sort of worry about our partners. And I think to some extent, um having some interest in your partner what they're doing makes sense but in others it can be harmful to the relationship If who are you texting what are you doing let me see your phone you know those sort of things it can be harmful because it is you know perhaps an indication that you don't trust the person or you haven't developed trust for people because sometimes we can be jealous and it's not the person in particular but people overall And the only way to learn how to trust people is to trust people.
1: Mm. Is it also, it might be towards that person might not trust themselves. I'm not saying that's me at all, but could Mm. it be they don't trust themselves. So therefore they don't trust others.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes when people are jealous and they throw things out there, it's like, is that something you've done before? (laughs) You know, because it's (laughs) certainly not what I'm doing. (laughs) Mm. I'm actually sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think sometimes people will put things out there, project, you know, some of the things that they've experienced or some things that they've done onto others. And, you know, it is important for us to work through our stuff um, while we're in relationships, or even before we get into them, to make sure we're not bleeding our, you know, injuries onto other people.
1: Mm-hmm. I sort of want to backtrack a little bit and sort of touch on helping others. And mm-hmm. so you're a therapist that has no doubt helped countless people. Um, and has there ever been a case for you where you haven't been able to help that person, all those
0: people? Absolutely. Um, but my job is not to fix people. So I think planting planting seeds is helping. I don't know when people will, will harvest, when, you know, the little seedling will come up, when my voice will appear. I don't know when those things will happen. Mm-hmm. But I think that I'm still helping just by being present and trying. Um, and I can't make people change and you know early on, I did a lot of work with um, kids as a therapist and I realized, oh I, I did not like working with kids because you the outcome it takes so long to see the outcome. Oh my gosh, it's like okay, I'm doing all of this work. I don't know what's gonna happen with this kid. And it was just like I I need something that's a little more tangible. <laughs> I feel like with adults, it's like you see a little bit more with kids, so much of who they are has is out of their control. You know, something can happen with their parents and, you know, all of these sorts of things that I was like, you know, I don't know if I like this as much as working with adults where I can see a little bit of something and I can say some things that will eventually penetrate. I do think um, I eventually evolved to working with teenagers and that was a bit better, but you know, I, I really like the space of, I am not here to fix your problems. I'm here to help you. And my help may not be immediate. My help may not come to you for years. I've certainly had clients who I haven't seen in years. I was out one time pre the pandemic. I was out one time with some friends and, you know, someone came up to me and said, I saw you years ago and I just want you to know that I'm doing better now. Mm-hmm. This was, year, you know, this was, you know, I think it was, you know, a few years ago. And so this person left abruptly. I didn't know the end of their story. But, you know, eventually, I guess, you know, whatever we worked on, it did help. And so it may not be today, this week, next month. I just want to sprinkle, you know, some of these things that could be helpful at any point when you want to use them. Because I'm not always applying the things that, you know, could be good for me. And so I expect that other people don't either. And that's okay.
1: Mm. Nedra, I appreciate your time today. I've got two final questions for you, if you don't mind, because I do want to be respectful of how busy you are. Um, really enjoy this conversation, by the way. I could talk to you for ages. That's your know, God honest truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> so your book set boundaries, find peace. If I was to pick up a copy of it, right now and turn to any page or chapter that i could get the most out of just by looking at it what page or chapter would you recommend that i turn to
0: oh wow i love chapter nine um chapter nine is the chapter where i discuss boundaries with yourself because i think the biggest area of boundaries that we can implement are the ones that we have with ourselves And those spill over into our relationships with others because so much of what we try to do with boundaries has been um, controlling other people. When we really have to prioritize, what will we do in this situation? Mm. What will I? If this person doesn't change, what do I want to do? That is the boundary with yourself because you can stay, you can leave. You can think of, but try to think about the situation differently. You can ignore the behavior. You have a lot of choices. And so it's really important that we exercise our choices. It's really important that we think about how important it is to be disciplined in our boundaries or mm-hmm. disciplined in these things that, you know, are happening in the world that, that we say we want to be different. We have to do that work. And so my favorite chapter is nine because it's all about, you and holding yourself accountable for your boundaries.
1: When my book arrives, I can't wait. I'll just turn to that page and start reading it. (laughs) Um, Nedra, my my final question for you is my all-time favorite question. It's a hypothetical one. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic. They didn't set any boundaries in that respect, but just just completely demolished them. But uh, they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life?
0: Mm. Wow, what a good question. I would love that film to show my progression as a human. You know, I would love for it to be, you know, a little baby me, older me, and some audio clips of me talking because you know i th- i would like it to reflect like when you go back and read your journals and you're like what what <laughs> you know like i just want to be able to see the video and witness my growth mm.
1: i feel like that's a perfect send-off message today thank you so much nedra for your time, your energy, everything that you're putting out there into the world and for being a guest today and sharing your story on the Storybox Podcast. Where can people find you and buy a new book?
0: Yes, so I am most present on Instagram at Lab. my book is available everywhere that books are sold. It is set down this peace.
1: Edra, thank you.
0: You're welcome.
1: I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the Storybox on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, i greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Box. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.